This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Steeler Nation. This is John Jackson, and you're listening to the SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast. Sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Stryker, and joining me is fellow SteelerNation.com forum member and sports writer, Bill Wyshynski. Bill, how you been, man? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Welcome to the podcast. I know we had a a nice, um, we jumped on it. We did some film breakdown last week, so it's great to have you on the cast. Great to be back. Thanks. And you join in my co-host here, Lexi the Cat, who always roots for the Bengals (laughs) because of her stripes. And uh, But other than that, we got two Steeler fans here ready to talk. And before we get into it, I at least want to show everybody here at Steeler Nation, we always have something new and exciting going on with our sponsors at Total Sports Enterprises. And over here on Twitter, they have a giveaway and it's playoff week. So they're giving away an 11 by 14 Minka Fitzpatrick signed photo. So all you have to do, jump on over, check them out at Total Sports ENT, retweet it. That's it. They pick the winner tomorrow. So good luck, Steeler Nation. Get a free prize. Get a free present. And uh, that's all thanks to Total Sports Enterprises. And moving on, we got the Browns. Since we had the Browns last <laughs> week. <laughs> and, you know, crazy news coming out is the, is all the big COVID news. And that is that um, we, we at least know on our end, Joe Hayden's not going to make the game if they're playing on Sunday. He's on the 10-day. He was a positive. Um, we're still waiting to hear on Ebron and Marsh, but they were technically close contacts. So they're on the five-day, and we will find out tomorrow whether, whether or not they're able to play. Uh, Oliver Vernon, who had a sack in the game, just blew out his Achilles, so he will not play the rest of the, this in this upcoming game. And now I was telling Bill, we were talking even on like the forum last yeah. week. I'm like, this is an outbreak. It's like they, the NFL just decided to ignore the fact that Cleveland Browns had successive positive tests and they didn't go two days without a positive test. They went one day without a positive test. Then bam, they had another positive test right before the game. And now their entire coaching staff, their entire offensive coaching staff is pretty much screwed, starting with head coach and play caller, Kevin Stefinski. Uh, then you got the offensive line coach Callahan. Um, they've got offensive line assistants Peters, wide receiver coach O'Shea, tight end coach uh, Peltzing, and their left guard Batino. And it looks like wide receiver Hodge are all currently out as of today. They're gone. They cannot play. And these are all positives. So this is crazy. That's a huge positive spike. And the head coach and acting head coach is going to be Mike Prefer, their special teams. Uh, coach and of course close the facility so what are your thoughts on that there well if you recall I said on the forum uh, after the Steelers were rescheduled for the three games and 12 day stretch 
that they played their hand and they did not want to extend the season uh, another week. Yeah. It might've been in the best interest of the league at that point in time to suspend play for all teams and maybe for two weeks and then just push it back and let everybody kind of regroup at that point. But they played their hand. You could tell they did not want to extend it. And you're exactly right. It, it's just proven to be a fact that they, the Browns did have an outbreak. It's continuing. Yep. And they're they're put they're they're put in a pretty bad position, and it's unfortunate for them that this situation's happening like that. It's not how you want to win a game is take on a team that is depleted and there's beyond their you know, the scope of their control. Yeah, not not I, at all. I, I pull I put the blame on the NFL for this one. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had the the Facebook feed. I had to call that up so I, we can we can start watching out. We got people watching. Geez, Sherry from Arizona. We got. Jeanette from Calum, what from Yazoo City, Missouri? Wow, very cool. Is that is MS Missouri or is MS Mississippi? I, I think MS is Missouri. If I'm remembering my old abbreviations for postal codes, <laughs> MI is uh, Mississippi. MI is Mississippi. <laughs> Great. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no, MI is Michigan. Oh my goodness, I gotta get that wrong. Yeah, and um, Linda's oh, also Missouri. asking us right now about a playoff bubble for the NFL. Obviously, we're not doing a playoff bubble in the NFL this week oh. or the, for the playoffs. I think there's still too many teams. If he gets down to a final four, they might consider it. Um, and, and another thing too, I just wanted to make a point, Bill, when, when we played the, uh, the Ravens, I remember um, Humphreys was negative. He was ill, but he was negative. Uh, ended up being positive when he played us. Then a week later, that's when um, Vince Vance McDonald had his, um, uh, injury his uh, COVID positive. So I had to relook that up today because somebody said that it, it happened the other way around, but it did not. Um, right, we played the Ravens, then two weeks later, Vance McDonald's missed a game with COVID-19. That's a possibility because the Ravens were with an outbreak at that time for that us getting that. Um, that was my only break that I was giving Vance McDonald in that game against Dallas for performing bad. Perhaps he was feeling some early symptoms. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the whole thing so it, it turned out that he had it i mean he was sick he missed practice on friday he did play in the game because he was still testing negative didn't test positive till the following week and that was the week that we had everybody sitting down pretty much for five days ben didn't practice he had dots and not practicing exactly. um so that was a big week for us COVID. that's probably our biggest covid week uh other than this past little uh, um you know Except for everybody we play. it's our, our big covid week <laughs> <laughs> i know right which, which is good because everybody else is like COVID weeks are like crazy because now we're at the playing the third team on our schedule with an outbreak. And now it's technically four straight teams because Cleveland back to back, we played them during their outbreak and they're still having their outbreak. We're supposed to be playing them again this weekend. And my problem isn't necessarily playing them, Bill. My problem is what happens in two weeks if we have an outbreak because of these positive um, COVID cases from Cleveland that end up, showing up on Steelers players and then it affect, infects our team. That's what I'm worried about. That's a legitimate concern. That's exactly the first thing that goes on my risk register is you know, going forward. Yeah. Because uh, the, the incubation time, I mean, we're not doctors here, but we can follow the basics of it. It takes time for it to manifest and it could happen. You know, it's very, very high likelihood. It's a high risk probability that, we're going to face that. Yeah. So uh, we'll have to just wait and see. There's nothing that we can do to change it. But, nope. 
yeah, but you can hope that nothing happens on there. And yeah, uh, I, I, it does put the Browns at a decided disadvantage for this game. Definitely does, especially uh, since it, their head coach is their play caller, and it, it just disrupts their flow and their rhythm. Hmm. So it's very difficult for a team to anybody to perform when you're not in a structure and. You know, that's just life. You have to have a structure and, and the timing frame and what you do, habit. Their habits are all thrown off. It's going to be very difficult for them to overcome that. And moving on to the game, last week, I know we rested a lot of starters. We know Hayden and, and Watt and Pouncey and Ben. And of course, then, you know, we also had Ebron and Marsh and Hayden sitting out with COVID. And it created an instance where we got to see a lot of our younger players play. And surprisingly, it was a very competitive game. Uh, Mason Rudolph ended up throwing for 300 yards, two touchdowns and interception. Uh, that's his career high for yardage. Josh Dobbs, I really liked the utilization of Josh Dobbs in that, you know, like wildcat kind of like, but he's a wildcat that's a quarterback. So we're having problems with third and one, fourth and one. You and I have been always been talking about this back and forth. And now it seems like, there's a positive when you have Dobbs get on the field because you don't know if he's going to quarterback option it. You don't know if he's going to throw it. You don't know if he's going to hand it off. So it really creates a nice wrinkle that maybe hopefully get us past this issue that we've been having converting there's third and fourth and ones in these past five weeks. If, if you remember when I put out a couple of solutions ideas, one of which was to kind of copycat the New Orleans Saints strategy with yeah. Bill and put Hobbs in there or Dobbs in there for a play or two at maximum, you know, yeah. you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to obviously you know, take Ben out of the game, but yeah. you put him in there. He is fast and he can, you know, inside of a play or two during the game, that can be the difference between converting a first down and continuing to drive mm-hmm. the same way that Antoine Renderell did back in the day in 2005. They did a lot of little gadget plays that were yes. not big plays. No, they were just designed to get, continue the drive and score. So it, it's those, those hidden plays, those small plays that something you could do and bring in there, uh, it, it, it couldn't hurt. No, nobody ran those inside screens like Randall L and Ward because watching them go twice to Vance McDonald, bless his heart. I mean, they tried to set those up both times, but uh, he at least got some positive yardage as opposed to us getting tackled in the backfield. So that was a, a slight positive, but still got some work to do there. Interesting stuff with the offense as well. Joshua Dobbs being four for five for two yards since (laughs) 1950 Dobbs is one of two quarterbacks in NFL history with four completions and five or fewer yards. The only other one to do it. Yes. uh, That's an amazing stat. It's it's reminiscent of uh, the book. Yeah. And yeah, you have to go all the way back to Greg Landry in Detroit who went four for 14 for three yards in 1977 and um, Steelers offense also hitting a low point for their special teams and and for offense they've scored zero points in the first quarter over the final seven games and they've only scored one offensive touchdown in the last 10 and they have just one touchdown on opening drives in the last two years so out of 32 games one touchdown and i know that's got to fall solidly on randy feekner and i see you're frozen here i'll see if i can get you to jump start as I got nothing here. Uh, let me check out Facebook. I can talk to you a little bit. Facebook, since I got I got Bill frozen a little bit, he'll jump right back on here. We'll see him soon. And um, Mississippi, thank you for correcting us there, Jeanette. I appreciate it. 
Pittsburgh. We see some Pittsburgh in the house. Always good to have Pittsburgh for Steeler Nation. <clears throat> and I, you know, Jeanette, I think that the, that this is why I don't have a problem with next year's football, because by the time we get back to the NFL as a normal, the vaccine is going to be right, readily available for the general public in the summertime, which means the entire NFL will have it. It's going to be a lot easier, Jeanette, next year than to worry about it. But for this year, it would be helpful if the playoff teams were able to get it because that's at least a smaller amount. Maybe if we get a little farther into the playoffs, but the problem is it's, it's a two shot vaccine, which takes about four weeks in between each shot. So it's not really going to help if we wait, it would have to have been done now to keep the Super Bowl teams, you know, in line and ready to go. And uh, David, I don't think they should draft a quarterback right now. I still think that we're on the Ben train until Ben's down. But I know Bill has some great points too about going out and getting your guys. Um, and and I, I can I can uh, talk to him. So you know, welcome back, Bill. I'm sorry I saw you drop, and it's fine. I can always talk to shout out on here again. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and I was talking about how our offense is one for 32 now on opening drives, scoring a touchdown in the past two years. And I, I guess that's got to fall um, solidly on Randy Feekner uh, and his design because he, he has the, <laughs> the beginning 10 plays scripted. So this has got to speak. You know, I, I don't have a problem with him as an offensive coordinator I, because we end up coming back and winning games. I have a problem with him being able to script plays to start a game. Well, that would mean I, I've not been a big fan of Randy Feekner, and I'm not somebody who wants to just bash on coaches just to do so. Yeah. I actually was a surprising, I was an advocate for Haley because I like how, what direction he turned us into. Mm -hmm. It just obviously, he did not work out as a, as a coach in terms of relationships. Yeah, He's a little abrasive, but I like the, his direction and thought process. I don't see that from Finkner. I don't see him adapting or adjusting mm -hmm. uh, on the fly. Uh, you know, despite the comebacks, that still feels like it's more Ben doing, you know, wildcard Ben that, you know, the gunslinger when, when he seems to do that. Yeah. Uh, so he, you know, I'm not big on, on what he's done as our offense coordinator. The fact that our quarterbacks did as bad as they did last year was it, it, it in my tip from my take, that was just abysmal performance to expect from a professional starter that, I've, you know, for over 30 years of watching this team, I've seen Mark Malone go in there when he was bad, you know, yeah. and still perform better. So the, it's not that hard to play at a higher level than they had at the end of last year, which seemed they couldn't yeah. even get first down. But at, at least they, they started getting the running game moving a little bit this past game. We had 87 yards rushing. And the interesting thing to me was not necessarily the total yards because James had 37 yards. It was their average. So mm -hmm. now he's carrying at 4.1 yards a carry on nine carries. Josh Dobbs had 10 yards on two, two carries for 20 yards. Anthony McFadden at 3.4 yards on five carries for 17. And Benny Snell, three for 10 with a 3.3. So all of our running backs were over a three-yard carry average. So that could be seen as a positive moving forward since we've had so much trouble just trying yeah. to establish even anything on the ground. And it's a far cry from those 20-yard games that we've had. And, and I was wanting to see us get a hit the 100 yard mark as a team. Yeah. Not one particular player came up a little short of that because they were passing at the end. Yeah. But yeah, it was encouraging. 
to, to see that. And from what little I have had a chance to review of the game and Dotson in particular, it was it was good solid blocking there. And with the Browns having their problems this week, maybe a chance to get a little bit more of their timing and rhythm again uh, going forward because that, that ground game's got to be a little bit more effective. Yeah, especially with um, you know Oliver Gibson being out with his with his uh, injury as well, so that's going to hurt them. Um, with the uh, passing game, though, at least Chase Claypool had his best game: five catches, 101 yards, a touchdown, yeah. 11 targets, and he is now tied Lewis Lips for nine receptions and ties Franco Harris and Lips for 11 total touchdowns as a rookie. So these are their there is our rookie records, and also set the rookie receptions records with 61. So great, great year from Chase, and it's nice to see them starting to use use him again at the end of the season now. And one of the big concerns for Cleveland, and they don't have any more than we know for Hayden for certain, yeah, is Denzel Ward. Yeah, and what's happening with him? He is a phenomenal football player, and what Juju and uh, Chase were basically able to do was was old school post up against their cornerbacks. They were they were really hurting. Yeah. trying to defend these guys particularly that one the, the big play to uh, Deontay Johnson where yeah. the safety couldn't get over that's one where Ward's in there he's an outstanding uh, defensive back and can make a difference so he's someone to keep an eye on they, they there's an uncertainty about him even from their side they don't know yeah so if he's going to play in the game or not he is a big reason and even then they're still going to be uh, mismatched on that on the wide receiver versus the defensive back. Yeah. Because uh, they are thin at the position there too. That's a definite advantage for us. So as far as the running game goes, it might not be as big of a deal this week because yeah. that passing game can thing has some real matchups. Yeah. That it can take advantage of, yes. even if, you, you know, e- even if Ward comes back, there's still a matchup problem there. Yeah. And Deontay Johnson had an interesting stat line because usually he's the guy out there getting, you know, eight, nine, 10 catches a game. This time he only had four targets, three catches for 96 yards. So it looked like he was doing the job of stretching the field as opposed to being the possession guy. So it was, it was nice to see that kind of change of pace and that kind of expansion of his skill set to show that, yeah, he's more of just turning and catching the ball kind of guy on those, you know, short and intermediate routes. Right. And, and it, didn't it seem to you like they were rotating the guys a lot more in and out? Yes. So that they a lot were, quicker, uh, like Washington getting on the field a lot more. Yeah. And they're rotating them in to get the four on the field and taking out um, McDonald as well, too, at times. Yeah. So nobody had to play too much during the game. So yeah. that the strategy was get everybody through healthy. That was a mission accomplished on there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, some great big plays and good running. But yeah. Really, that's a game that we should have won. I'm, it, it works to our advantage. Could have won. Yeah, it's definitely we, one we could have won. If we would have lost that game playing against the Colts, I don't know if that's a, as good of a matchup for us. Yeah. In terms yeah. of, you know, they Philip Rivers can, you know, a lot of people say he, he pads the stats and he does, but he still has the talent to to make a difference in a game. Yeah, he does. He does. He's a good. He's a good quarterback. Um, Steelers uh, third down efficiency went way up. So eight for 17 on third downs and that's two for two on fourth down as well. So they converted 10 of their 17 chances there um, within the, for the, for the third down makes, which is a far, it's much better than what we've been doing here the past few weeks being 
way under like even 30% conversion record. So that's a, that's a positive Browns were at 50% though. They were at six for 12 Um, penalties. This was a crazy game. Like they didn't call any game penalties, like within the whistles, anything was either procedural procedural or pre-snap. So we had, you know, they caught us with a guy down the field. Um, but the, the only one that they called was Villanueva's hold when watching that one, it was ticky tack. It was it like, it was like yeah. a, 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 like one of these, like that quickly, just a touch and release. And the skating was suspect. It was yeah, suspect. Yeah. Missing the, missing the doming of Rudolph there when he was, when he threw his interception and got two handed in the helmet and helmet and his head snapped sideways. Surprised they didn't call that. It was not like it was a light touch. Like I would have never called if the, if the guy's like hand touches the helmet slides down. Like I know that gets called, but I'd never be upset for that. But when the quarterback's head snaps sideways from a two handed punch to the face, that's when it should be called. And that's Mason Rudolph not being a star. And I know. Yeah. The, the, they the know officials... a little better than, than maybe. They, they just pay attention to uh, the guys that have earned the, the stripes, you know, Ben's going to get that call because their, their, their eyes are looking at it. Yeah. And here's the thing that surprised me too on defense was even without Watt and Hayward and, and Hayden Steelers still ended up with four sacks and six TFLs. You had uh Tuit, Elliot, Highsmith and Wormley coming through and Highsmith, man, this was a great game because I really got to like clue in and really watch Highsmith play the entire game. And I, I just did a breakdown for him for hidden plays of the game on his uh, sack. He was not all, he was, he was defended by two players. He got chipped by the tight end, worked around the tight end, then did a rip under around the outside of the left tackle for the sack. It was brilliant. And this is like, this is the stuff that I want to get excited about because this guy is might be our starting outside linebacker since Bud Dupree and is most likely going to leave in free agency. Most likely. I, I think that they've, they've anticipated his law, his leaving. I don't think they, they expected that he would uh, jump up the pay scale like he did. Uh, yeah. So they budgeted and he just moved himself up. It took him three years to develop. And in that fourth year, bam, he exploded. Yeah. So they weren't prepared strategically to offer him the kind of money that, they, that he's developed into so yeah and, and that's this is gonna be the guy on the other eyes other side next season though watching that slow development of Dupree it is refreshing to see the fast development that we both had with Watt and now that we're seeing with um Highsmith it looks like like I think Highsmith and Watt are going to be a real force um in the playoffs as you know not maybe not as disruptive as Bud and Watt would have been but it's not that far of a drop-off well, and one of the big things there about development is here's with the coaching. Joey Porter is a love him to death. Yeah. He was not a great coach. <laughs> and as a lot of great players are not. Yeah. He, he, they don't translate. It's not the same skill set. And it's, I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think you do either that. But Dupree, who I always thought was, you know, somebody who was right there on the verge of making a big play, but was a little bit out of position. You know, he ran in too fast and somebody, you know, but he was there. It just, he needed to have somebody actually coaching him. I can't help but think of when Andy Russell would talk about uh, the story when Chuck Noll brought him in. Yeah. And he thought, oh, he's going to congratulate me for making the Pro Bowl. 
and the Chuck Noll says, I don't like the way you play. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're trying to be the hero. I'm going to make you better. And it seemed like the Bud Dupree finally got that understood about how to position and come at the right angle. And that was something that, you know, we're seeing Highsmith do immediately. Yeah. So uh, he's, he's somebody to, to, to be excited about for certain. And Watt on the other side, you know, this guy is the defensive player of the year by far. How many holding calls did he not get on him? It's, yeah. You realize he, after four years, he's already well past the pace of setting a team record for sacks. And I just saw Bruce Smith contacting him or reaching out to him. They're stating something in the media that, you know, he's on pace to get my record, who's a 200 sack guy. You know, he's already got more sacks than Bruce Smith did. And at this point in his career, than Bruce Smith being the, know that. the great defensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills team that made four straight Super Bowls. So, uh, yeah, he is something special. And he's going to cause the Browns a lot of problems. Uh, yeah. As I told you, I was watching a little bit of the Browns uh, coverage and from their point of view. Yes. They're concerned about their offensive line in this matchup, particularly oh, wow. Watt coming back. They, they cited that as a, uh, an area of concern because in two, so far in two games this year, we've really gotten after the quarterback. Yes. And yeah, the, the first game was a pick right off the bat by uh, Minka yeah. on Baker. But yep. Baker has not done that much to make us really feel afraid and, and I don't think that's going to be as big a deal as Nick Chubb stopping Nick Chubb. Yeah. Uh, is a is a point of reference to beating them on Sunday. So and, and now the Steelers have a sack in 73 straight games extending yes. extending extending the NFL record. So that was a big one when uh Wormley yeah. got that first one. Everybody's like, "Yes, they get to extend the record." So and that was a so for the they they're now in sole possession the only team in NFL history to lead the league in sacks for four consecutive seasons and that's huge Amazing. and that's a, that's a great point bill because i want to get your opinion on this and this is something that no one in the nfl talks about but by leading the league in sacks for four straight seasons arguably on four different defenses um you know these last two years are closer to them what the first two years yeah. were because first year was a shazier year the second year was at, without shazier we were in shambles and now we've been rebuilding these past two years with the minka years so how in the hell is Keith Butler not a head coach candidate or in the conversation for being a head coach candidate with what he's doing, setting records for this defense that's been in flux for the past four years, yet still leading the NFL in sacks for all four of those years? You know, I, 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 I'll say the same thing I said about with Dick LeBeau. That was a guy who never you know he got his head coaching chance with Cincinnati which is yep. a bad choice to go to <laughs> he was a head coach for his you know that guy he was born to be a head coach he just yep. had the, you know he was born to be a coach condition. in general yeah it's just, yeah he, he would have been perfect for a head coach on a team that had more stability than you know the Bengals which by the way he was the one that crafted the team that was able to be inherited by Marvin Lewis to be successful quickly yeah. he made a lot of those picks and oversaw that team so why is Keith Butler not the same way that Dick LeBeau got a little bit overlooked? And uh, I think he's just not getting the, the national recognition. Maybe because, hey, you know, the Steelers have run the same system. He's just utilizing it. They just not, you know, sometimes it's that, that presence on by the media and how much hype they get. But this guy is, hey, don't talk about it. 
we'll keep him as a defensive coordinator. Uh, but hey, if you want to hire Randy Fickner, I'm all for yeah, it. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we'll push him out the door. Now, here's uh, but, an interesting stat, too, that I wanted to bring up from the game, and that's Avery Williamson, who's done a solid job here since um, Spillane's gone down and really is starting to make plays. He now has 53 tackles as a stealer in four starts, and that ties TJ Watt for fifth on the team. That is a crazy. That, that's, that, that's amazing to me is that yeah. he stepped right in. And yep. that was, although the first game was a, obviously a problem because, you know, Spillane called the place. Yes. And we were already shorthanded in that game when he first went in. But since he's, you know, he's, he's raised that game, he's, he's brought it. So it's not been as big of a hole as, you know, it could have been. Yeah. But it's, it's still going to be great to get Spillane back. And yes. we really will need it over that uh, middle of the field because, we're going to be going against some teams that can uh, you know, have a lot more to, to bring as far as weapons on offense Yeah, to have three linebackers there, especially uh, with this, with the range of the of, uh, all three that can make plays. Mm. We can do a lot of creativity on the, on the front that will make the loss of Bud Dupree a little bit less impactful as well. Yeah. And it, was, and it was interesting. You were thinking, yeah. Too that like, um, I didn't expect Mason Rudolph to outplay Baker Mayfield. And that's exactly what happened in the game. Other than Baker Mayfield not throwing an interception, but being 17 for 27 for 196 and a touchdown. But I thought he was more impactful with the, the way he used his legs with his 44 yards rushing. He was able to extend some plays, reset the sticks a couple times and to seal the game at the end. But still, I mean, a lot of people were really hard on Mason Rudolph, a lot of Steeler fans in general. And that was because he was playing injured last year after his big hit that he took in that uh, um, Ravens game. He was never really quite the quarterback again until he came back again the second time. And then he immediately got hurt again. He ended up being IR'd with a shoulder for the last week. So, you know, I, I liked his poise. I liked him being able to go through his progressions and I liked him being able to take his shots deep and actually hitting them with accuracy as well downfield. So that like, at least as far as for me, for a Steeler fan, you being an old Steeler fan as well, we know our backups. We know what Steeler backups normally are when you get into a game. I, I think left, which was the last guy I was probably excited about to be a backup because I knew when he'd get in the game, he'd do well. The problem was he couldn't stay in the game because he'd always get hurt. He'd always get hurt, yeah. <laughs> but I uh, loved Leftwich, but we just never had that backup quarterback that was to be that I was confident in. If Ben couldn't play, I'm like, it's all right. We got we, you know, we got Leftwich because that's what happened when Ben was suspended. And then he went down and then we threw in Batch, and Batch had a good game and he I was, won a game. I was a big uh, advocate for Charlie Batch as a backup. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like I, having I that veteran well. backup. Yeah, it's been something. I was fortunately we have not been hit as much by you know Ben being out for a game here and a game there, because yeah. they have put an onus and big heavy emphasis on protecting him in terms of not taking hits. Yeah, that was the big problem between Arians and Rooney. Yes, uh, saying hey, you change this up. Uh, no, I won't <laughs> change it up. No, I won't. Okay, you're gone. Yeah, <laughs> you're retired. <laughs> news for you. Yeah. Because yeah, no, that was that was Art Rooney II knowing quarterbacks are lasting longer. Yeah. You don't want him taking the hits. And he's taken a lot less hits over the last half of his career, first yeah. the first part. 
Um, Steelers rushing defense still needed some work. Obviously last game, Nick Chubb had 14 carries for 108 yards. The, that one big carry obviously being the touchdown and the interesting aspect from that run, Nick Chubb is the first black Browns player with a, with a rush over 40 yards for a touchdown since the Steelers played Jim Brown in week four of 1958. So wow. that is an old school stat. That's old school. Wow. <laughs> Not but, surprising uh, considering what some of the running backs have been, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think the last Chubb is Chubb is for real. Make no mistake that he is a, he is somebody that can cause us problems and definitely having DJ back in the lineup, Hayward back in the lineup, you know, it will make a big difference. And, and also having our full core of linebackers, with Spillane, as we were talking about back in there. Yeah. They're going to, he's the key to stopping, not Baker. Make, make Baker beat you yeah. is really, you know, that's going to be the narrative for that. I, if we lose to Baker Mayfield throwing the ball, yeah, then so I, be I, it. I just don't see it happening with the way the Steelers defense can get after the quarterback and make him uncomfortable, especially with their full complement. Um, but yeah. There's, there's one thing I want to get your advice on. You put, just put out an article um, talking about TJ Watt and basically the media right now is loving everybody but TJ Watt, but the numbers really defend TJ Watt being defensive player of the year. And I want you to talk to Steeler Nation about what you, what you went through and what made you write this article. Well, it, 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 I don't think the entire media is, but there are some that are that just do not want to give the Steelers credit. Yeah. And particularly the old pro football talk, Florio and Chris Sims. Yeah. He, he, he actually starts off by saying, no, Aaron Donald is the best. 25 seconds into this clip. And, okay, fine. If you have that, make your valid point. Yeah. I'm, I'm open with Donald's not exactly a, a weak candidate. Yeah, you know, they can't argue with how great he is. Two times defending, uh, he's won the war twice. Yeah, but yep. his reasoning was so flawed because he he actually says that the you know Watt has more help. He starts reciting off players, and they don't have. <laughs> uh, when when like, the Rams oh, are arguably the best front seven in football. <laughs> uh, wait a minute, they they don't have a great pass rush, and I'm like, they're number two in the league. Uh, you know, they they had over fifty sacks for two straight years. If 53 he has sacks on a year is not a great pass rush, then Chris, what is, you know? So it, he just contradicted himself. And the, the, the numbers he came up with, you know, you're just an average fan. What's the most basic stat that you look at for to grade a pass rusher by his, how many sacks they have? Yeah. Like he kind of was dismissive. What's he got? One, one and a half sacks more. But oh, he's got more quarterback pressures. And I looked up the number. Where did you get this from? Yeah. It makes he, sense. He doesn't have more quarterback pressures. He doesn't have more quarterback hits. He doesn't have more TFLs. The TFLs are like a double-digit lead. It's insane. Oh, yeah. So the only difference is, you know, if Watt would have picked up your hidden place fumble, you know, uh, if he yeah. would have fell on that ball and or if he would have picked it up and ran with it, it would Yeah, if, if he would have picked it up and ran for a touchdown, it, he'd already be talked about as being the it, – yeah. it, it seems like sports – announcers need that one play to stick in their head to make yes, that, exactly that is your Heisman moment that is your defensive player of the year moment problem exactly. is he's making 
plays consistently in every single game. I think there was only one game he was, he basically, I equate it to being a clean sheet where he just had a couple tackles. Yeah. Every other game he's getting pass defenses, interceptions, forced fumbles, knocking balls down, sacks, TFLs, you know, just being, he is disruptive. You just put the game every single game. And even the one where he, where he didn't get any tackles, he was still disruptive. He was still, people had to put two guys on him and he was still cutting through them and forcing them to run around. So he he stepped up his game with when Bud Dupree uh, got hurt. Yes. It's like he his yep. it's like he did not he did not step back. It it, it came it, it lifted. So he he brought it down the stretch even if the, uh, the team did struggle, he was not. He is a player and you're exactly right about the they want that moment, that that highlight play to stand out. And I've always disliked that view. Yeah. I look yeah. at what is the, you know, the larger sample size and the greater picture. Yeah. And give me that consistency over the moment that highlight any day of the week. Uh, so no, TJ Watt, uh, Chris Simpson reasoning for it was completely wrong. <laughs> he, he contradicts himself later on by saying that well, he's the best player on the best defense. Wait a minute. What'd you say a few minutes before you pointing out the help that TJ had, but all of a sudden now it's there. Did you forget what you just said? Yeah. And you're using quarterback pressures in an obscure stat that you can't check and they didn't source and I double checked and it was wrong. Yes. It was almost half that total. Yeah. So so it's, it's, yeah. So it's crazy, but you know, obviously we both agree that TJ Watt should be defensive player of the year. And I want to get your opinion on this play, which the cameras happen to catch on the sideline for this past game. Uh, A little scuffle there between uh, Isaiah bugs and, uh, uh, Carlos Davis, both, um, you know, young defensive uh, backs, or de- sorry, defensive linemen, which were, you know, I think Bugs was he a sixth rounder and uh, Davis is the seventh rounder this year. I think Bugs is a sixth, fifth or sixth the year before. And so to me, it's right in front of Tomlin. He looks like he's right there. It, it looks like something was said. He didn't like it. He took offense to it and, uh, but it was over, you know, at yeah. least, it didn't go anywhere after that moment. So, you know, you played football. What is this like when you see something like that on the sideline between teammates? Thank goodness Twitter wasn't around for a lot of the stuff that got on between me and with uh, teammates because there were scuffles all the time. You know, you yeah. just sometimes you just rub somebody. Somebody says something. It just happens. Yeah. You know, when you're a big boy like that, you're not gonna back down and you get angry. Get caught up in the moment, and you know this is the this is the first time these guys got a chance to really play. So their their emotions are going. The adrenaline is is really high. Yeah. So you're going to be eas- more easily keyed off. So that was just youth guys, big strong guys, just getting angry for a second, and you know yeah. it's over. It's part of the game. Well, they you know they don't like it to be, but they don't want to promote it tonight, so they make a big deal out of it. There's nothing. This is two guys just going at it. You know. <laughs> I like right here where Carlos Davis is like, he started it. <laughs> yeah. Now you look like uh, you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar. <laughs> and come, on, like, come on, coach. He started it. <laughs> so, you know, a little bit of fun that we can have as fans. Obviously, we know as football players, tensions are going to flare up. You're going to get upset. That wasn't a fist fight. It wasn't a grab, hold, and drag him to the ground fight. It was just 
look, hey, he said something I offended to. I got it out. Okay, I'm over it, and we'll move on. Uh, quick, quick question over here on Facebook. We had Frank and Tina Shear asking, are the Steelers planning on using Derek Watt in the playoffs as a short yardage man? Hopefully. For some reason, uh, I don't know. Hopefully they can get him in there with maybe um, Dobbs being the quarterback as well and just giving Steelers an extra uh, extra gear in the running game. I've been an advocate of him being on the field, and he was on the field a lot more earlier in the season. Yeah. Uh, is in particular, Not as a rusher, though, but as a blocker. I like him in, in as a blocker, not being you – know, we've not utilized a fullback like that to, to run the ball uh, for the short yardage. But yeah. having a big guy like that, throwing a block and he's done it on uh, the when going in motion several times yeah and he did he was in there against the as a lead blocker against the Redskins or sorry the Washington football team and yeah then, and he beat us on the play so yeah uh, yeah I like him in there but he's not a skill player yeah and you're not going to be handing the ball off to him so I wouldn't look to see these major changes but I definitely like to see him out there in terms of some blocking schemes because it did work earlier in the year and kind of working, looking at that. And the only point I want to make about Derek Watt is Ben missed him twice wide open on inside slants on goal line situations. And I hope they go back to it because he was a tight end in high school. He's got excellent hands and I'd like to see him make a catch and run with the ball or catch for a touchdown because he's got the ability to do so. And one of those that you're talking about, I think Ben threw an interception on the play. Yeah, yeah, he went the other way, and it was yeah, it was just a bad. He would have throw. been looking. He was trying to do the the, the look off. Yes, the spot was just wide open. Yeah, nobody um, near him. <laughs> and yeah, so, but that's not somebody he's been. He has not been looking to check down this year because of the talent that we have at wide receiver. Yeah, you can't blame Ben for hey, these are the guys because by the time he did look over the defense, I think it was that was the Ravens game. I could be mistaken. Yeah, but yeah, they did, they did react uh, to. Yeah to it so uh, he's a guy I, I want on the field he's a he, like all the Watts they seem to have a very high football IQ yes that never hurts so you're putting a smart player just put him in the role that that will help us out the most which would be maybe a catch obviously a great blocker because he's a big boy he's physical and he could take somebody and clear a hole yeah so anything that we can do to continue getting some yards on the ground and even if it's you know like our expectations right now are lower from our from our running game. So anything that we get is a is something to build on. If we can get even one or two big plays from the running game, uh, it might be a difference in in winning some of these uh, games down the down the stretch. That it might. And Steelers this year set a new franchise record as well, Bill. They only were sacked 14 times this year. And that tops their previous record of 18 sacks way back in uh, with uh, Terry Gilliam and, and Bradshaw in 1974. And Ben led the league in, in attempts. Wow. <laughs> Without playing a game. With t- if I, t- if I, I could be wrong on that. I know he was going into it with the, he went into week 17, leading yeah. the league in, uh, in attempts and in uh, completions. I think Ryan overtook him. Oh, but, that's right. Uh, he might be second league in attempts, but bottom line is going into week 17, he was the, the least sack quarterback in the league. Yeah. And the most attempted passes. That says something about what, you know, the strategy and his headiness. He's not playing the, the 2008 Ben card no. where he's shrugging guys off. You see, the, you see that occasionally, mm. 
but he hasn't really done that for a long time, Meek, either. Yeah, that's true. You know, a lot of the times he's been sacked has been because he's waiting, you know, to placate Antonio Brown's you know, plate and wanting yes. to get open and forcing some passes there over the last several years. But he has not been uh, he's not been that guy that's been getting hit that often. Yeah. You know, and, uh, he's been, been a lot more, you know, savvy. And this year he's been, you know, he's most, the most savvy version of Ben we've ever seen. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stichter, and other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. For the injury situation, just to update everybody, uh, coming into the game for next week, I we I just watched the uh, press, re- press report with um, Mike Tomlin, and he stated that Robert Spillane and Matt Filer, who are on injured reserve, both have a chance of coming back this week. So that is big news for our inside linebacker core and our left guard, which is right now the thinnest on the team. Uh, Terrell Edmonds also has a chance of coming back as well as Chris Boswell. They will practice this week because even though both of them missed practice and the game last week and just is a big one, which Uh, one having getting Boswell back probably is the biggest. Yes. Because even though we had, we've got what, how many, we've had no field goals. No special teams points. Well, we had three field goals last game, and I thought Wright did a good job of kicking the longer ones. He had forty two of them over 45 yards uh, last week, which which is something I wanted to see out of him Um, because I I wasn't expecting to win the game, but if you got to put Anthony Wright in the game, you got to let him try to kick some field goals. Yeah. It looked like his leg strength would have been good from 52. So it's it's more about the pressure of the moment now when the playoffs start. Yeah. Because now – he might Every be too young. Game. He doesn't understand the pressure yet. Like a lot of those. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Yes. And ignorance is bliss, bliss for these young kickers. And they're just out there trying to do their best, which he's done. He's he, the only thing he's done is gone out and made every single kick that we put him out there for. So I and, can't fault the guy for his performance. Obviously he doesn't oh, have the leg exactly. strength that Boswell has of being able to get that ball consistently into the uh, end zone in this cold, cold December weather. And now coming up in January weather, which is important to do because this is the time of year you start seeing kick returns because air gets colder, bar, ball can't travel as far. It's falling at, between the five and the, the goal line as opposed to being five to eight yards deep in the end zone now. So his proven, yeah, you know, he's proven that, uh, that the pressure has not gotten to him. He's kicked how many game winners? Yeah. You just feel he's a guy that you, you don't think twice about as long as he can, he can get out there and he's healthy. 
you feel you feel very good about him maybe kicking a 50-yard field goal uh, on the road with the pressure if it's a game winning. Yeah. So he, he's a that that's probably I really believe honestly that would come into play after this game. I, I feel very confident going into this week, even if it wasn't for the Browns problems. Yeah. It, when you put there on top of it, I don't like the again, I don't like beating somebody what because they're they're, they're going through that kind of a situation. But, but you have to play who you play. play. <laughs> I mean, that's yes, it is. That's true. You know, it's and it's I think it's unfortunate for the Steelers because the Steelers yeah. were on such a roll before they had to get to that instance where they, like we said, they played three games in 12 days. And as opposed to when you're normally playing three days in 12 days, you have a week and a half break after your yes, 12th game. Which is something the media rolled. like to ignore. Yep. But they went rolled right back in the next following week, like seven days later. So if you wanted to extrapolate that and say four games in uh, 18, 18 days, that is the insanity of it. No team has played. No team has played four games in eighteen days in league history. And the, you can tell though the injuries happened in those weeks. Yeah, they did. The guys did not get a chance to get a rest. Yeah, and they, they, that team was just beginning. The Steelers were just finding that habit that I was talking about. Yep, that rhythm. They were ready to play that Thursday night game. Oh yes, like I, there was no doubt in my mind that they were going to. They weren't going to blow the Ravens they out were, of the water on Thanksgiving night. It's like they this were dialed in. Yeah, they yep. were dialed in, and that messed that team, that team's rhythm up. And yep. it, then the injuries on top of it. That yep. game gets played normally, and they get their break. This this team would not have that three game slide. Yeah, not at all. Then, they probably they would have been able to enjoy that break, set up, reset for the next game, and instead yep. everything just kept getting thrown at them with two days practice, and it was just crazy. Remember, Washington goes having a had a extended break, and we were playing on what four days. Yeah. Yep. So, and we, that was the first game that we've lost winning by 14 points or more in what, 30 years. Yeah. Since Chuck yep. Knowles days. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now we're back to playing Cle- Cleveland finally makes the playoffs <laughs> for the first time since 2002. Congratulations, Cleveland Browns. You get to play <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers again. So and guess who they played the last two times they were in the playoffs. <laughs> I know that's they were absolutely two against the Steelers in both they, those games. They've never, they have never beaten the Steelers in the playoffs. Steelers have only lost to one division opponent ever in the playoffs. And that was the Ravens Correct. night game just a few years ago. So that's, um, I always love like people say, Oh, it's tough to beat a team three times in the playoff three times in a row. It's like one, you rarely play somebody three times yep. because <laughs> playoffs don't always mean you're going to play them in the playoffs, but when you do, you already know how to beat them because you've done it twice. So uh, we've only done it against Baltimore, yeah. against Cleveland, against yeah. Houston. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was, was it twice against Houston, 79? Yeah, but the Steelers have never failed to do it, I should say. If they, if they beat – if they swept an opponent and saw them in the playoffs, they never failed to complete the three-game yeah. sweep. So That's for the Steelers – Yeah. Steelers, it, not, not, not that much of a, of a deal. So, yeah, so their last time – the Cleveland Browns had a win in the playoffs was the Bill Belichick coached 1994 team when they beat the New England Patriots in the first round of the playoffs that year. <laughs> Who would have known that Bill Belichick would have gone to the Pats? Too bad we couldn't have just kept them in our division and kept kicking the crap out of them. Oh, uh, no, he, he would have. In that organization, he never would have went anywhere. They didn't know what they were doing. 
Well, I don't know. When they went to Baltimore, they ended up winning Super Bowl. So, you know, Ozzie Smith's always been a great mind for acquiring talent and drafting. I mean, that's assuming, it, yeah, that they would have went with Ozzie Newsom because they were Ozzie, to... Ozzie Newsom. Thank you for the correction. Yeah, wrong Ozzie. <laughs> Ozzie Smith's the baseball player. Yeah. Thank you. See, see, this is why I always have Hunter on the show because he always corrects me for getting names wrong. So I appreciate <laughs> you being able to do that for me, Mr. Wyshynski. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh, I, I was at that 94 game. Oh, oh nice. Excitement City. Uh, the first time in years that you really felt like we were a, a Super Bowl contender. Oh. truly felt like we were because we definitely should have been in that year and 2002 was the the, the big comeback yeah and uh, watching Maddox do his thing it, it, that was that was exciting year as it got our secondary was terrible that came and that caused the Browns to question because of one game yeah that threw their quarterback uh, situation to chaos yeah again that's where you go well, who's doing what over the course of a longer period of time and not just a highlight game you know that's why you have to look at the bigger picture. And that's one of the best things about our organization. And one of the, as I put out some topics that I already have in the backlog, looking about why we do what we do, uh, you know, and so I'm saving it for the off season, but, you know, doing some research and reading some of the old books, including Dan Rooney's book. I think it's a required read. Uh, that came out in 2007. Yeah. Talking about from the, he, him being a kid and, yeah how his father operated and how the team operated and why the team struggled so much. Some of the things that, you know, the chief could have bought the, the New York Yankees and he was a bigger baseball guy than he was a football guy. Yeah. And she was seeding the, the Steelers uh, being broadcast to the pirates. Cause Dan's like, why are we doing this? Well, it's baseball son. No, we're not doing that. Yeah. We can't do that anymore. You know, the so, fact he got named president of the team only because yeah. it was like, well, you know, you've been doing the job anyway, so we'll just make it official. And that's <laughs> it. you know, he been running it anyhow. It's kind yeah. of funny to see. And I've got a lot of those stories there, and from other pieces that why we do what we do. We're not a knee-jerk reaction team. Never have been. No. And that's why you know we we've, we've been able to sustain success. And. and- I just need to make a quick shout out because our boy Santonio Holmes just tweeted Big Ben is my, my quarterback and that's the verified um, <laughs> account for Santonio Holmes. So cheers. Thanks for watching our show. Uh, Santonio for making that catch. Yeah. And, we love you for it. And definitely like my biggest argument was you were always the playoff MVP that year. You had that big return against oh. San Diego. You had that big catch and run on the broken play against the Baltimore Ravens, and then he was the only guy who scored an offensive touchdown. Yeah, against the Ravens in yep. all three games. So don't think it's <laughs> yep. just. You know, and Santonio proves what a Steeler is, and what the after even leaving, he's kind of found his way back, and he's more. Yep. Hey, I'm a Steeler. I remember. You know, it it it, uh, it just goes to show. Yes, thank you're, you very you're much. truly black and gold. You're black and gold forever. We love you for it, man. <laughs> yes, Number we 10. do. Thank you, Super Bowl champion and Super Bowl MVP, San Antonio Holmes. Uh, Ryan, also, we're, we're time for questions for Steel Nation. I'm going to grab a couple here from Facebook, and then we'll roll over to the page, and we'll grab those. So, Ryan, Ryan, how you been, man? We always know you're around. Ryan Stansbury always follows the show. He asks, do you think Ben is rushing his deep passes? I'll let you take this one, Bill. Uh, one of the things Ben has done this year has been, especially through the first 11 games, he did this a lot. He picked his spots. 
he was waiting to see the one-on-one matchup. He was reading the defense. So he, he did not go down the field on the most of the time down throughout that winning streak until he saw the opportunity for him to do it. And that's what he's been doing most of the time. And we had our stretch there. We're struggling. Yeah, he was getting the he was actually getting their own ball too quick and uh, underneath as as your your breakdown showed. Yeah, uh, getting just forcing it too fast, forcing it too fast, not letting it play out. So not not going down the field as he's been rushing it. It's actually he was quicker to throw it short. Yeah. Like this, you know, his his stretching the field out again, picking those spots, be more aggressive about it, and trusting that hey, you know. A lot of the struggles that there was coming in, the guys were dropping the ball. Yeah. Let's not forget that. That's where it started. They dropped definite touchdown pay uh, passes against the Ravens in the second yeah. game. So a little bit of confidence got lost because of that rhythm and the games by everybody involved. Yeah. It didn't take much to get it back. They he knows what he's doing. As long as those guys catch the ball, he's we're we're gonna be good. Don't worry about that. But, Cool. And Frank and Tina Shear, they want to know, um, are the Steelers going to have fans at the game this weekend? We are still trying to find that out. That answer is supposed to come today. So right now I know fans, friends and family are approved. So that's somewhere around. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's usually about 500, but they're trying to get it up to around 7,000 for the game. And we will find out today. I think um, governor Wolf is supposed to let us know what that, um, (laughs) <laughs> thanks yep i got the beard growing this is a two-month beard right now we got that on twitter they, they, they're checking that out every day i've been going ever since my birthday november 1st i've been letting it go letting it go and i haven't even trimmed it yet so i'm, I'm gonna see how if i can get you to ben, uh to hey, kiesel you're gonna go with ben's beard like in the off season yes it was kiesel-esque <laughs> kiesel-esque <laughs> oh boy yep so we'll find out that later on today, Frank and Tina. So thanks for, for that question. And Ryan also wants to know if you've read the book, um, the, 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 uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, the Steelers book. I, I have yeah, not. I have. Oh, I nice. Have. Who That's wrote that one? Yeah, and very, extremely good. Awesome. Extremely good. I like the books that tell the stories and don't just tell, you know, yeah. we give you a breakdown to what we already seen. Yes. But, you know, talk about a little bit what we don't, we don't see and we have no. <laughs> Um, that Dan Rooney from the first person talking about how uh, you know Heinz Ward's contract was settled in 2005 it was you know Jerome Bettis had a private meeting you know who who set up the private meeting or or brought Ward in there it was just the three of them and at that point in time Dan's not running the organization anymore yeah he's he's kind of like the chief and it's it's his son running it he just gets there. They didn't talk numbers. It was just talking and trust. Yeah. And, you know, it's a shame that book came out one year <laughs> too soon because he could have talked about two Super Bowl wins. Yes. That yeah. one. Uh, I'd like uh, to hear a little bit more about the, the team as under the two wins than rather than just the one because he didn't have as much material. Yeah. Uh, on recent years that were, uh, that were great to get some insight on. Yeah. And those are always great stories. Like you always get the story of, um, of the chief and the immaculate reception. And he says, well, he would have loved to have seen it, but he was in the elevator going (laughs) downstairs to console his team on the playoff loss and to tell them they did an excellent job on while he's in the elevator going down. 
the entire crowd erupts. So they, th those insight stories are just like lore for Steeler fans and such a great way to get them. And now we're on the, the port of our webpage from SteelerNation.com where Bill and I are both members. Bill posts as FSF. I post as Cope. And Slash Steel has a question for us. So Bill, if Spillane comes back, who do you think will start at the inside linebacker positions? Uh, given Tomlin's history, he tends to go back to the, to the man who's you know, yes. been performing. Yes. We find out today about the fans. And, uh, you know, it depends on his health. There's an uncertainty about it. Yeah. I would expect that if he's, if he's 100%, he tends to go with his, uh, his normal guy. Yeah. He doesn't like the disruption. It's just been Tomlin's uh, MO. It's what he goes with. It, does not you know, yeah. so for good or bad and i think sometimes to his detriment he doesn't experiment enough but it's who he is and i would expect it's for lane's 100 but if not he's going to go with uh he's going to go with avery yeah and, and, the good, well, and one, one positive you're going to get no matter what too bill is you know they have a, a legitimate three inside linebacker yeah. rotation now because like baron batch was not as good as the third, in my opinion. Mark with, Barron? With, yeah, or sorry, yes. Mark Barron, thank you. <laughs> Wrong batch, damn it. You got a job right. here, Bill. You corrected me twice, so thank you. Yes, you're exactly Mark, right. They're, they're, they're going to rotate around anyway, so yes. who starts is not as important but as snap count and yeah. rotation, and he'll get them in and see how it works. You know, uh, it, It's not like the offensive line where you want to keep the guys in the entire game. And, and, and you're right. And at least in that situation, without having uh, Bush available at all, those are definitely the three best inside linebackers we could have for the playoffs moving forward. And that's what we want to say. And, and one thing, Butler has a lot more control in that defense. So he can, you, can, you might see formations with all three of them in there. Yeah. Don't be surprised. Yep. That yeah, they, that's, uh, a good point. They, they, that's a good point. That's the, that's the beautiful part about Butler is that he does knickknack it. That is not the same defense from two years ago, the pre-Minka yep. defense, and it's not the same pass rush. It's not the same 3-4 zone blitz. It's evolved. We, we asked for more pass rushing from our defensive linemen. You know, Tewitt had his 11 sacks. Hayward didn't have as many, but boy, did he seem to be disruptive. Yeah. The stats didn't indicate tell the true story of what is disruption this year exactly but That's they true. expect more of a pass rush from it they do different things with our with our uh our defense except for that, that those corners still have a whole heck of a lot of territory and responsibility to cover which prevents them from you know being able to anticipate and make big plays because in that cover three that we love to employ which is to our strength we don't, we don't really have, especially with this year, we haven't been putting those linebackers in coverage as much. Yeah. We've been using them as a pass rush. In yeah. traditional cover three, your linebackers, your outside linebackers play more in coverage. And if you want an example, just think, what did James Harrison do in Super Bowl 43? He was supposed to pass rush, but it's his call. It's what he sees. Mm -hmm. And he's, yeah. you know, he made the decision, you know, I'm not going to get to him on this short and they're, you know, this is more of a threat. So he backed off. We haven't been doing that with our linebackers uh, this year. They've been more of a pass rush. Mm -hmm. But you might see these guys in that middle zone because uh, they I have the they, they have the the range, particularly Spillane and particularly what we've seen out of uh, Avery. Yeah. Uh, Vince is more of a you know our power guy there and tackle for loss uh, yeah. type of guy. 
it, well, that's something that Avery's been doing now too, because this is something yeah. that he did not get to do with the Jets. He's already got a sack and two TFLs, where he had zero TFLs on the season before coming exactly. to our team. So, you that's, know, that, that's the, that's well, the one thing. Who like, knows what's going to happen? Play, you know, yeah. cover three. You can come from all kind of different directions. Yeah. Yet you can put these guys and cover them in the middle area of the field and disguise it a whole lot better. Yeah. Because the cover and, three is the easiest coverage for a quarterback to read. So you have to put a lot of different wrinkles in it. Yeah. And it got predictable in the last years under LeBeau. Yeah. To the point that yep. Brady knew exactly where to go. Yep. And he had our defense exactly scouted perfectly. Yes. And we didn't have the guys that could play man to man. Yeah. So it was that's why the only reasons they, they had so much success against us is mm-hmm. they they knew exactly what we were gonna do. So move back to another question. We got Cooley Man asking a question. And make sure you get this right or you might get banned oh, here, FS, FSF. Yeah. <laughs> Little Cooley asks, gadget plays with Dobbs in the playoffs or no? So he's asking, would you do gadget plays in the playoffs or utilize Dobbs in the playoffs? I know we talked about this a little bit earlier. I'm firmly a yes on this. I like the wrinkles. I like using gadget plays. I like him too, but yeah. maybe one to two a game with him yes. just running it. I wouldn't try and put in any like, when like an example of, hey, we hand the ball off to Antoine Randall and he does the quick pitch and somebody else runs it in. None of those type of, you know, coordination type of plays that we used to do with and uh, with Randall L. Yeah. You haven't played him enough, but for a simple like, catch off guard and a quick sprint. Yeah. You know, not on a you know, fourth and one for certain, but, you know, it's, uh, depending upon how the game flows, catch somebody off guard and let them run for a, you know, there might be a eight yard gain that keeps the drive going. Yeah. Put you over the 50 yard line, get you in the field goal range. Yep. Just pick your spot. But yeah, one to two plays a game. I've been wanting to see that for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And Wig wants to know, is there anything in the tape that indicates that for some reason Rudolph may be looking better or may be better at throwing the deep ball than Ben? I. Keep some things in mind there. The Browns are really hurting at defensive back going into that they game. Yes. Uh, they were, it's not playing their top well. two corners are, were out. Yeah. And they're, the guys they have in the reserve, I mean, they were just outmatched by Claypool and by Schuster. These, Claypool and Schuster are big physical guys. Yeah. They, like I said earlier, they basically could post up. So they, the Browns are really that's, – that's a big point of concern even from coming from Brown's uh, point of view, which I told you earlier, uh, if you didn't catch it earlier on, I was watching some of their newscasters talking about what they thought. And they thought that was a big, they want, they were really big on getting Ward back, who is a phenomenal defensive back. They really are exposed back there. So, uh, you know, if Ben's in that game against those defensive backs, he's going to tear them up too. Uh, it, it was just a bad matchup for Cleveland all around. And it's still going to be one is they still are thin even if Ward does come back. That's yeah. a, it's a, their biggest, and, you know, like I said, the biggest thing we need to worry about them, Chubb, you know, and they're going to, you know, our running game versus their uh, past uh, rush defense, our running game is obviously a non, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, a plus. I like our, whether Ben's in there or Mason, that, that's just not a great judge for Mason to go by that particular game because the, the matchup was really heavily weighted towards us. Yeah. And Hooch wants to know, 
look into our crystal balls here and tell us how we see the AFC first round playing out. I will say the game and you just tell me which team you think is going to win then here in the AFC. Um, we've got the first game, which is, which is going to happen on Saturday for the AFC will be the Colts and the bills in Buffalo. How do you see that going? Got to tell you, when I see a team as hot as Buffalo going, uh, they seem to be kicking on all cylinders. They're pumped up. This is a game, you know, I'm not that big on the Colts for it. Buffalo wins that one. Yeah, I like the Colts defense. I like their their ability to move the football on the ground too, to possibly keep the ball out of Josh's hands. But it being at home uh, in the cold is going to, you know, Philip Rivers has never done too well in the cold. I remember him trying to play in San, with the San Diego team against us uh, <laughs> in a playoff game. Yeah. And I, I remember two San Diego girls sitting in front of us in jeans and like, light sweatshirts before having to go in and buy a terrible towel blanket so (laughs) so that's you know i see it being a close game if they get enough turnovers yes colts could win but yeah i expect the bills to win this unless yeah unless the turnover come in there and they do what they did against green bay yeah uh, it's going to take some flukes i I actually think that the bills take that one so how do you see the how do you see the ravens titans game working out as a physical freaking game, I tell yeah. you what, I would, beat the hell I would out of each love other. to play uh, uh, the winner of that game. <laughs> they're gonna whoever wins is gonna be beat up. Yeah, I, I uh, as as far as Buffalo goes, I think they're gonna cruise. Personal yeah. opinion, but this one is gonna be a physical hard hit because both teams are physical. Yes, that's how they're they're both running the ball. You know, yep. Derrick Henry run the ball. Yep, and, and still. Um, Lamar Jackson is still the same quarterback with the same flaws. Yep. Despite the fact they ran for a hundred yards last week, he's still throwing it down the middle of the field, not to the outside the hash. He's a running back that throws the ball. This, the, the team is still has the same weaknesses that we've exploited yes. in the past. And so, Tennessee exploited those weaknesses last year when they upset them being the, the, the low seed playing the, the number one seed in the AFC so the game plan team, is there. You know what Vrabel's going to do? They're going to they're going to be you know crowd the line of scrimmage and forcing Lamar Jackson to beat you with his arm. It, it, and they're not a great pass rush of a team, so no. that's their biggest weakness is not exploited in that game either. Yeah, because he's not going to be. You're not going to send Lamar Jackson back. No. like most quarterbacks are going to be back there 30 plus times. No, they're going to try and run it. I actually like Tennessee in this game because of the. It is a matchup that I do too. Ravens yeah. do not, you know, against a lot of teams, they play in the Colts, for instance, I would definitely say the Ravens, but this is a matchup game. I, I think the Titans are going to, besides being at home, I do think being at home is of advantage regardless. It is your own environment. You are not sleeping in a, uh, you're not traveling. So uh, I like these factors and Tennessee just has the, yeah, Vrabel and they have a never get die attitude. They keep yeah. coming back at you no matter how much they're down. That game on Sunday was indicative of that. They do have flaws, but I think they're going to take this one uh, again. It also has a lot to do with the fact that Lamar's weakness in, in throwing the ball and not being outside the hash is going to yeah. come yeah. into play. And uh, Madden Somniac's last questions for us. He wants to know, um, also, what do you want us to do on the first drive that may lead to different results? The first quarter offense, obviously the first drive of the game is atrocious. And I don't know about you, Bill, but my thought to fix that is just go, go no huddle the first drive. Set the tone. 
First Seven off, that catch the ball when you when it hits you in the hand <laughs> would be helps. helpful to that because how many drops have we seen right out of the bat? Yes. The, the drops have to be taken into account. So <laughs> yes, you got to get the first first down, catch the ball, and it's there. Yeah. So we've been predictable on those the, those drives to start. Yeah, come out in a no huddle, come out attacking a little bit, and throw a team off balance. I'm not so much worried about scoring on the first drive as getting the ball and getting the momentum, getting some first downs. And if we do that, get, make sure you're playing on that side of the field. Yep. And we got some. Scoring is, 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 is obviously the, the ideal, but the, the game is won by consistently outplaying the other team. Yeah. Get down outside the field, keep it going. Well, a lot of our times we, we're really scoring on the second drive of the game. Yeah, we are. And it technically goes and into the second better. quarter. So it looks like we're not scoring much in the early in the game, but really it's drive two. They're just yeah. getting, they're getting the momentum. So don't let the stats pull you too much. Yeah. And Ryan, awesome. I'm, I'm glad that you checked out my, you, you understand the beard going on. You're asking if I'm going to keep it through the championship. I'm going to keep it as long as I can, Ryan, right now. That's what I'm doing. Uh, Donald Cather, you're asking, is Ben playing? Ben is playing. He's all set to go for this upcoming game. Um and then Bill Johnson wants to know passing game or running game. Uh, we obviously need a mixture of both, but we are a passing team. Yeah. That's the big thing. Sean McGowan, does McFarlane get a hat this week? Also thoughts on Sean Davis that potentially getting another start Sunday. Yeah. I mean, um, McFarland might not be playing at all this week. And it's, yeah. and the reason is might be because the Steelers may have all three quarterbacks with helmets. And that means Josh Dobbs and, um, uh, Mason Rudolph will all have helmets and will all be active as opposed to doing a third quarterback inactive just so they can utilize jo- Dobbs skill sets because he's shown that he can be. Yeah. And that will be positive that, plays for us. That will go back to Cooley's question there. If you yeah. see him with a hat, I think that you're going to see him, even if it's a trying to call somebody, get somebody to jump off sides. He, I bet you'll take a snap. If it's even that trying to draw somebody with a, yeah. a, uh, a penalty. And, and, I, and I love what Sean Davis is doing. He, he's been playing excellently on special teams all year. He saved a couple fumbles for us yeah. on kick returns when he's supposed to be a blocker, which would have been, which would have killed us in those games. Um, so he's playing smart football. He played a good game last game. Um, I'd be fine. If, if we have to have somebody come in for Edmonds, might as well have another starter capable safety jump in and do it. And I'm fine with Davis doing it. If he ends up being that guy. And Edmonds is, I want him back healthy because there's a lot of, he's been criticized a lot, but he's come a long way and he's had a lot of tackles. He's been, yeah. been kind of like a, a linebacker in the, in there when, especially in that cover three, because that's, you got three guys covering the back end. Really. That's what it's yep. all about. It's like mm-hmm. three. He's playing in the middle and he's hitting guys. And when we have the rare chance of doing the cover two, we've had the lead. That's when he got his two picks, by the way. They were yeah. playing back. He was doing what uh, the safety is supposed to do. And he got two picks on the year for it yeah. in one game. And, you know, that, that we don't often employ it. Now, without Bud, we're probably not going to employ it as much. Just or Without Hayden, I mean, uh, we're definitely uh, we're going to be hesitant to cover it that way. But, yeah, it, He's been he's been making great plays all year, even if they're not highlight plays. But yeah, I like the way Davis has played and smart. Uh, if he, if we're having to resort to him and give Edmonds another uh, week to rest, 
Mm-hmm. That's there's nothing bad about that. He's been in enough games. He's played enough. He knows the system. He's not going to be a liability. Yeah. And uh, Derek Lord just wants to know here quickly: Is Joe Hayden going to play this Sunday? No, Joe Hayden is out. He was COVID positive. He is out for ten days, which means he missed the last Cleveland Brown game, and he's going to miss this Cleveland Brown game, though. Eric Ebron and uh, Marsh, Casais Marsh, have a chance of playing this this week because they were close contacts to Hayden. As long as they come back negative, they will be ready to go this week. So might get some guys back there. Now, last question for us here from Mad Insomniac. Which of the young guys really stood out to you yesterday or in the football game? I got to tell you, Highsmith was yep. somebody who I've been watching too. Monster. Uh, he was phenomenal. I mean, he was the featured linebacker in that game. Yeah. And with everybody else being held out, he stepped up. He played big. So he showed that, hey, maybe we don't have to worry about that outside linebacker position. Yeah. Going into next season, we've got a guy there who's got some snaps under his belt and has some ability. Yep. So Highsmith stood out to me as the, as the highlight of the game for Nice. You know, the young guy. And he still nine tackles, one sack, one TFL. That's a monster game for an outside linebackers. Nine tackles for an outside linebacker is huge on yes. our game. We never like our outside linebackers are lucky to get six. So uh, big for, game for him. As a point of reference, TJ Watt has 53 tackles yes, exactly. total, 43 <laughs> solo on the year. Yeah. So for a guy to have nine tackles, yes. It shows that the range that he's got, he's you know, he's a bigger, stronger guy than, than Bud. Yeah. He's not as fast, but he's big and strong. So if going against Nick Chubb and running, I, I'm, I'm feeling comfortable having him out there. Yeah. And I want to say there was a couple, um, you know, one on offense, Kevin Dotson. I love watching him play and I do not want to see him lose his spot for the rest of the year. I love the way he plays football. He is excellent both as a, as a run blocker and as a pass defense, pass blocker. Uh, for me, like, even if Filer comes back healthy, if Filer's going to take a spot, I want it to be Chooks' spot. I don't, uh, right tackle, I do not want him taking over that guard again. I, I, I just don't. I've got a feeling uh, that, you know, a pectoral injury, not disclosed, but it's a second pectoral injury. Uh, you know, uh, I have a, I just have this feeling that it's going to be Dotson and, um, uh, and Okafor starting at the, uh, on the line with uh, Filer and reserve. Yeah. This week, remember, he's a, you know, they will never come out and admit this, but he still is on only a one-year tender. Yeah. So you're probably looking at Dotson as your future. Yep. Anyway. Yep. On there, I think maybe that's part of the reason why they've left a, a core four in there the entire season. Hmm. Pretty much realizing that you're going to have to need him next year anyhow. Most, yes. And and. and, and Get him as much snaps as he can and get him as comfortable as he can because he might even have to sw- to uh, flip-flop and play the left tackle spot with Villanueva possibly leaving in free- preseason. And, you know, I- I'm a big fan of Banner. We talked about him as well, and I think he could hold down the right side as long as he doesn't have a freak injury like he had, unfortunately, yeah. in his first game starting, which he is a starting caliber. We- we'd be talking about Banner a lot if Banner was still on this team. Banner is, is or we would not be talking strong. because we're not even recognizing the offensive line when they're doing their job right that's part of it <laughs> well, the guy does that, their job they don't get that much credit a lot 
Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Though there's there is one other person I want to talk about on defense that's a young guy that's been in there the last couple weeks. Big position switch going from safety to uh, middle linebacker. That's Marcus Allen, man. Guy's playing. He's playing well. He had seven tackles, one one TFL. You know, he's he's starting to make plays, and he was disruptive back in the preseasons when he was a you know a safety returning returning interceptions and fumbles for touchdowns. So. You know, I'd love to see him start making those plays when it's the playoff time and stuff like that as well. But I at least want to give some credit to Marcus Allen and even to, you know, uh, Mason Rudolph getting to see him come back in his third year. And I have to give him credit. Let's give it where it's due. I've been critical of him. Yeah. And he played a very uh, solid game uh, when, you know, he brought to help bring the team back. And really, the fact is, they got it. The Browns got one interception that should have been called back. It yeah. was by, I mean, is obvious. He just stars get noticed, and guys who aren't stars aren't. Beck Ben gets hit like that. Every flag on the field is coming out just because. Yeah. Yep. You earn that. Mason hasn't earned the the eyeballs on him for protection, <laughs> but that was a badly missed call. Yeah, it was. And I'll I'll leave the last question here for our our good buddy Ryan Stansberry over on Facebook. Black and yellow Super Bowl, maybe, maybe Steelers Saints in the Super Bowl. And, you know, us being Steeler Nation, I'm always going to root for the Steelers being in the Super Bowl. I'm fine with it being an all black and gold Super Bowl. What are you <laughs> I saying? Say, first off, not black. we're not yellow. Yep. It's, it's gold. <laughs> yeah. We're not yellow. Not yellow. There's shades of gold, man. We're black and gold. Black and yellow, yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. <laughs> See, I'm fine with the song, too. I love the song. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, <laughs> old, old school guys are gold. I know how you young crowd like the yellow more. I mean, that's I'm fine either way. I'll take our color yellow gold over top of the Saints gold in the uh, Super Bowl. If those teams I, I like the Saints chances, uh, except for uh, the risk of not having Alma Kamara. Yeah, uh, who is a big, big. You know, we might not follow a lot of teams uh, outside of our, our our norm, but I can tell you, Kamara is a ball player, and the Saints are a good team. Yeah. that his potential loss could knock them out right quick. Yeah. Uh, Peyton is a brilliant offensive coach though. He does find a way to, uh, you know, make up for what guys are missing, but he's been the guy who they have relied a lot on. So they, it could come to a quick end just before they even get a chance because of the COVID. So uh, I, that, that's been my team. That's actually been my pick for the, for the NFC all year long. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you very much, Bill. You made it through your first podcast with us and Steeler fans. If you guys want to check out Bill, come on over to SteelerNation.com. We both post on the, on the forum. I post as cope bill posts as FSF. So jump on the forum. If you just want to read, that's cool. If not, you can make your own account and ask us questions. And we love talking football and we do it nearly all week when we're not writing articles or getting ready for podcasts. So thank you so much, Bill, for, for being part of the podcast with me, man. I really appreciate your time. Anytime striker. Cool. Striker, striker, striker. (laughs) Nice man. (laughs) Well, you're good to hang up and I'll be talking to you soon. I'll shoot you the text as soon as everything's up. Sounds great, man. Awesome. So visit our total sponsor, Total Sports Enterprises on Twitter to be part of their signed merch giveaways done every week at Total Sports ENT or check out their website, www.tseshop.com. 
guys this is your time come on over with that extra christmas money you got 600 bucks burning a hole in your pocket with this with this refund check i know you can't pay for rent so you might as well get some steeler gear like this steeler nation podcast t-shirt <laughs> so come on over to steeler nation click the gear page click the apparel page get one of these beautifully fit nice comfortable t-shirts thank all thanks to steelernation.com and thank you very much for gearing us up SteelerNation.com is the best site for fast, unique Steeler content on the internet. Click on the podcast button to listen to one of our many interviews or click the forum button for the best football discussion on the web. Just subscribe to the Steeler Nation YouTube channel so you can be the first to know about our video uploads and our film breakdowns done by both myself and Bill Wyshynski. We love breaking down films and we both have our segments. So come on over to www.youtube slash C slash Steeler Nation to check out these videos. Tweet us at Steeler Nation, Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Follow the Steeler Nation podcast on Twitter at underscore SN podcast and Instagram at Steeler Nation podcast. Or you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at SN Striker. Thanks for joining us on the SteelerNation.com podcast sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Striker, with Bill Wyshynski, rooting along with you, as always, Go Steelers!